Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Hi, listeners. I want to tell you about a cause that I'm involved with at Heritage Radio Network. HRN is celebrating its 15th year And to celebrate, we're deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hey, listeners, I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week, they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like O'Teal Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June, join the Fab Foe, Joan Osborne, John Sebastian, Marshall Crenshaw, and a great group of faculty for the debut of Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and a lot more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. Check out magicalmysterycamp.com slash helpingfriendly to learn more. Osiris. Friday, August 5th. What are we doing here? There was no show last night. What's going on, Jonathan? Did you just have to talk today? Uh, you know, I, I just 
like to see your face, Brian. Should chat. Same. Think about when I'm going to have an opportunity to play those guitars that are on your wall. Yeah. Those so. guitars? Yeah, I, 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 I think really about that play. every time we're talking. The Taylor is what you really want to play. Yeah. I got I got to hear you play that on my back patio. We'll do that and I'll play the nylon. It'll be really nice. Sounds good. All right. Okay, thanks everybody. <laughs> that was easier than expected. Today yeah. is Friday, August 5th. This is the Helping Friendly podcast. Um, we are here live today to talk with you as well as a few very special guests who we are going to be bringing on here in a second about where we're at with Fish's Summer Tour. Um, this is kind of a, in some cases, a very purposeful episode. We, we, we had so many people reach out to us about our Midwest run. And if you've noticed on the show, the last thing we want to do is give anyone like too little time to get their thoughts out, especially if they've been to a show. It's really important to let people like describe the experience, talk through it all. And uh, we had two very awesome repeat guests reach out and we wanted to give them as much time as possible to give their thoughts about the show. But we also figured with the guests that we're bringing on, who I should probably tell you about right now because they're awesome. We've got David Schlesinger on IG at Sless, three S's. And Ben Gardner on Twitter at Ben Gardner 87. Uh, two dudes who have been on the show many times before and will be on the show many times in the future because we happen to like their opinions when we agree with them. And even if we disagree, it's awesome. They're good people to talk fish with in uh, in the best ways possible. I'm, I'm here for bad takes. So if anybody's got them, that's cool. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, it's good that we're doing this because when we get... It's always fun when we get a, a room full of people, but it does get yeah. a little tight and people can't go on as much as they'd like to. And so, you know, we really have to keep a little bit of a lid on the number of guests around here just so we can talk. People uh, are just clamoring to hang with us. That's all it there's is. There's things to say is all. There's stuff to say. There's opinions to get out. There's takes both good and bad to reveal. And we also wanted to use this opportunity, as you can see at the bottom of the screen, if you're watching this and hanging with us, to do kind of a mid-tour recap, um, we have 11 shows left in the tour with tonight's show starting. Um, the cool thing about this tour is it's kind of transitioning from two and single night shows, two night runs, single night shows, to um, we have three multi-multi-night runs. So we've got a three-night run here in Atlantic City. We've got a three-night run next weekend in Alpine Valley. And we've got a four-night run to close out the tour in Colorado. And I did not forget the one night run in Toronto next Is Wednesday evening. It's, it's a, a run. It's a show. It's a stand. One night. It's stand. a one night stand. It's the last stand in Ontario. Um, <laughs> I feel like as we, as we're going to get into this, I feel like the tour is going to change a little bit just in the fact that three night runs, four night runs seem to, the band approaches those a little bit different than they do a one night stand or a two night run. Do you agree or disagree with that? Yeah, no, they're a little like a, a bottle episode of a sitcom where, you know, everything has to happen in that space. So you get, um, the repeats are eliminated across those three shows, but the next three night run, you might see them again, you know, maybe later, um, you get, you know, you, you get a, sometimes you get an arc across the run, as opposed to just, you know, an arc through the set or whatever, like like I will talk about later when I describe Raleigh as being the best show of tour. I may not say that. Um, 
you know, but they do that, right? They kind of shape up or you get like, uh, like in Vegas where, you know, every night has its own very distinct flavor. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a lot to goes on in these kinds of runs and I'm excited for them. And then there's the wild card up in Canada that, uh, who knows what'll happen up there. Who knows? It should be exciting. Uh, there's a really great Canada show, Toronto show from uh, summer 2000 that um, has like a really good Reba, has a really good Ghost, I believe. Um, I think 99 has a really good one as well. There's just there's a lot on the table Misty here. Mountain and Hop was that 98? There's a Misty Mountain Hop 99? that was I think 99. Yeah. Um, there's a lot here that we want to dive into, and we want to bring these guys on here in a second to talk through kind of where the tour is at the, at this point in time. We do want to tell you though, just really quickly before we jump into the meat of the show, um, I will tell you uh, just. Very, very quickly, we have an ongoing contest with our good friends at Passion House, and we would just encourage you throughout the tour, if Fish plays an ocean song, they're going to be playing next to the Atlantic Ocean tonight because they're playing in Atlantic City. Go ahead, tag Osiris Pod and Passion House Coffee on Twitter. Use the hashtag Ocean of Osiris. You have a chance to win some coffee from Passion House as well as you have a chance to have coffee with Tom and RJ if they play Sea and Sand, which we would both really, really dig if they did. Um, if you are in need of tickets for Fish and AC, you have not gotten them yet, you can get them using our direct link, osirispod.com slash AC. Best place for you to go and get your tickets for Atlantic City if you're still in need of them. In addition... We will be there, not Jonathan and I, but RJ and Megan and Matt and Tom are going to be at the Anchor Rock Club two days this weekend, Saturday, tomorrow, August 6th from 2 to 4 p.m. with John Barber of the Disco Biscuits on acoustic guitar, and Sunday, August 7th from 2 to 4 p.m. hosting an auction that will be benefiting the Waterwheel Foundation. Very this cool, auction cool is going stuff. to feature very, very cool stuff. This auction is going to feature uh, fish vinyl, posters, shirts, and other hard-to-find memorabilia. It's sponsored by our good friends at Tonewood Brewing. You can get your tickets for these events at osirispod.com slash ARC. It's a free event. It's a free event, but you've got to get a ticket to be allowed in. In addition to the event, we will be streaming both shows on the WhatNot app. If you want to get on the app to watch these shows live, go to osirispod.com slash AC1 for the Saturday show and osirispod.com slash AC2 for the Sunday show. By utilizing the streams, by logging into the WhatNot app, you'll be able to participate in the auction on Sunday, even from afar. Pretty, pretty cool stuff. Um, I'd encourage everyone out there to check that out. We will not be broadcasting our recaps from afar for Friday and Saturday show. So don't, if you're not seeing us, it's because everything's happening in AC. Yeah. Well, but that's okay because I'm going to enjoy the weekend off. I am going to go hiking tomorrow. I can't wait. There you go. See, really, really excited. Um, but yeah, last, uh, I will also be watching those <laughs> those recap streams from the comfort of my home, and I will be just like <laughs> everybody else out there, like you know, talking to my computer and saying, "Wait, no, you've got to mention this," and uh, <laughs> see what happens. Just commenting in. That's what you. That's yeah. what you do best when you're not on. You're like, "Hey guys, you forgot about this." We're like, "Oh shit, we did. Sorry." Um, also, want to tell you really, really quickly. So, a week from yesterday. 
yesterday. I can't believe it's less than a week away. August 11th, RJ and I will be in Milwaukee hosting a show of music and conversation with Riley Walker at the Cooperage. You can get your tickets for this event at osirispod.com slash Milwaukee. This event is sponsored by 88.9 Radio Milwaukee. You can find it on the dial at 88.9 FM. Radio Milwaukee helps listeners discover new music across genres through its two unique radio channels. 88.9 and hyphen, H-Y-F-I-N. 88.9 is the alternative station playing all kinds of music. Hyphen is one of the first urban alternative stations in the country that focuses on playing all types of black music. Throughout its 15 years on air, Radio Milwaukee stations have been the first in the country to play artists like Lizzo, Alabama Shakes, James Vincent McMarrow, Valerie June, and more. Both stations just release music every single week. They add just released music every single week and have gender balanced playlists, which amplify Milwaukee based artists. You can listen online at radiomilwaukee.org or through the radio Milwaukee mobile apps. Great, great local station that we are so happy to have the support for this event. And finally, you want to tell us about the event you and I are going to be hosting at the end of this month? Uh, do I? What are we doing? Uh, well, we're going to be welcoming Taper's Choice to Denver for an evening of music and conversation at the Larimer Lounge. Brian and I will be hosting. We will be interviewing the band, and then they will play a set of music for the crowd. These guys are great. They're based in L.A. They have been to the East Coast, uh, They, you know, but most of us haven't seen them. I haven't seen them. Have you seen them, Brian? I have not so seen them. I've just listened a lot. Same. Very excited. You should check them out. They've got a few things up on Bandcamp. They're also on the archive. Um, so, and then come out night before Dicks and join us. Tickets are available at OsirisPod.com slash Denver. We will be there. It will be fun. Hope to see you. Absolutely. It should be a ton of fun. Tickets are going quickly and uh, this will be, yeah, their Denver debut. I'm really, really stoked for it. Um, Let's go ahead and bring on David and Ben here. We can dive into the show. And I, I, I want a message from David. I'm preparing him already in advance for this. But David, Ben, how are you guys doing? Welcome to HF Pod Live. Fantastic. Thanks for having us. Yeah, doing great. Thank Thanks you. for having us. Good to see you. Absolutely. Quick extension of your plug for the Taper's Choice show. I didn't realize it was the night before Dix, and I'm actually coming in the night before, so I'm going to get to be at that event, and I'm excited. Very yes, cool. dude. I, I did not know that was going to happen. So, um, Kismet, I've seen them like four or five times in LA, and they're just superb. I mean, it's <laughs> so awesome. Awesome. Everything yeah. I've heard has been so incredible. The vi- there's yeah. like very few videos online, but everything I've heard has been great. I'm. You've seen them though. You you've enjoyed the shows. Yeah, I've seen them at a few different clubs around town. I saw them outside and like next to the LA River, the super odd like coffee shop spot. Um, <laughs> It's uh it's a super interesting show. They're great. Really, really cool band. I can't I've wait. Had, We're gonna dive in. Go ahead. I was gonna say I've had Dave Harrington and Alex Bleeker on Broke Damn Pod uh before Taper's Choice existed. But uh they both professed their various uh you know, their headiness, if you will. They did not use that word and I didn't either actually on the show. But um <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it was very apparent that these guys are, you know, deep music fans and real heads. And uh, I'm really excited that they got together and put together, put this project together. So, yeah, we call it where, where hipster meets hippie. Yeah. Yes. That, that indie rock <laughs> vibe with like, you know, the jamtastic fun. It's really, really cool. 
can't go. Then are we going to see you there? I know you're making your first trip out to Dix this year. Yeah, I think I, I think I'll try. Um, you know, I need to mix in some more training to do five straight nights of live music. But <laughs> yeah, I, think I, I didn't think about we, that. Uh, we 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 created this event as uh, as as music and conversation to kind of take the edge off of. So we'll we'll do a podcast interview. We'll hang out. It'll be low key, and then we'll have some jams come at you. So um, I think it should be good in terms of a night zero type of event. Um, so before we jump into all of this, Dave, this is perfect that you are here because uh, you you uh, work with Section 119. We love Section 119. We always do this segment before each show, but we're going to apply this on a macro level here. So um, I'm actually changing the dialogue in our overall banner here, and I'm going to insert it right now. The vibe of the tour, not the show, Ooh. the tour. So macro level here. So this oh, segment, man. before we dive into the whole tour at large, is sponsored by our good friends here at Section 119, which is the premier apparel brand where many fans shop to represent their favorite band in everyday life. With sophisticated des- designs and epic quality, Section 119 offers donut-inspired button-down shirts, board shorts, dry fit polos, and hoodies, among many more awesome clothing types. You can use the code on your screen, SUMMER22, for a 20% discount on your next purchase. You're absolutely going to love your new gear. That's right, you can score 20% off your next order with code SUMMER22. Dave, is there anything that we should know about Section 119 in terms of like clothing items you guys are pushing or anything that we should we should consider as we're shopping there? Um, you know, it, when it comes to the donut stuff, we finally released some incredible women's athletic stuff, which was brand new for the summer. And so, um, it's, it's, it's amazing. I mean, it's just so fun to work with, with the company and to be able to put out these cool clothes. And I really pinch myself every day to like, to know that this is like my job, you know, <laughs> I just have, I want to just quickly say, um, on, on the day off between Billy Strings and Blossom, we, uh, we stopped at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and I was surprised to see that there was some Section 119 at the gift shop. So, Oh, cool. Yeah, kudos to you. Thank all you. the team there is obviously doing a great job. Yeah, I actually that's had a cool. meeting at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame before the show with those guys. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. It's um, that's re- really fun. I mean, the team is incredible. I love everybody I work with. Like, I would be great friends with if we met on tour or, you know, in high school. Um, right on. It's just a, it's a really great opportunity, and we just love putting out cool stuff, and we love that everybody loves it. I love it, dude. That's amazing. You guys are doing great work, and with the spirit of this, Dave, sticking with you, what is we're, we're I think sixteen, seventeen shows into the tour at this point in time. We've got eleven left. What is your what would you say is the vibe of this tour? It's you know. So I've seen, I'm, I'm, I go back to 92. So I've seen a lot of fish and all the uh, different iterations of, uh, of decades or however we want to break it apart by decimal points. Um, it has a little bit of an old school vibe to it in that I'm feeling like the guys are loving playing some of the old stuff in ways that they haven't played it in a while. Um, you know, we, we keep hearing about Mike being a little turned up this time, which is super cool. And like, I saw it up close and personal. I had second row at um, Blossom Behind the Pit. And like, I saw a look on Mike's face that you just don't ever see. I mean, he was mm. smiling and into it and playing with his little toys over on the side. And 
you know, just the way that him and Trey were interacting, it just reminded me of like the old days of them just being buddies. Um, I felt like the songs that we've heard repeated several times have progressed really nicely throughout the tour as if like they're taking everything that people love and you know what they love doing so much and just really adding to the mix of what makes a great fish show a great fish show. Um, and, uh, it's just been like really, really vibey. Um, you know, these last two nights that I got to see them, one was, you know, super like, well, we'll get into the shows themselves, but, um, my experiences were just fantastic at both Blossom and Pine Knob. Um, you know, I mean, just great people around me, you know, it's just, it's so important to have great, no chomping, you know, like cool people. And um, I, I was just blessed both nights with just a very cool scene. So like the vibe for me was just elevated by having a really, really great group of people around me. And actually I brought my mom to Pine Knob for her first fish show. Oh, wow. She fought through okay. the rain. I'm like, mom, wow. mom, just jump in an Brutal. Uber. You don't have to do this. And she's like, no, I'm doing it. And uh, she was blown away. I mean, it was awesome. I uh, it was it. Nice. just super, super fun. So, and that just kind of took mom. me back to the whole thing. Like, what has my son been doing for the last 35 years? You know, so. mm-hmm. that's a good, it's a good way to see it firsthand. That's amazing. Yeah. Really special. Ben, what about you? What, if, what is from, from your perspective, what's the vibe of the tour been like? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I've been thinking about this tour. I think the the vibe for me has been to just sort of trust in this band and, you know, for lack of a uh, better word, surrender to the flow, because I think they've kind of shown, you know, elements of uh, a little bit of like what makes them so great, um, but in different ways. Some sets I think have had really great flow and have been really well played and you've had maybe some really strong type one playing and, and jamming um, that kind of um, helps, you know, build the energy of that given set and that show. Um, and I think we had some of that in, in one of the shows we'll discuss, but I think you've also had, you know, some great surprises, whether it be Sigma Oasis uh, being taken for a long ride um, free at Blossom. Um, and I think they're showing, you know, they're, they're sort of continuing to build on what we, I think all loved about 2021, um, which is that any song at any point can go anywhere. And, um, and I think overall, I mean, if I had to use one word to describe the vibe, it's been um, assertive. Yeah. They, they're, they're not really noodling around and and taking a whole lot of time. Um, They seem to have uh, an idea of really what, where they want to go. And um, you know, they're moving out of the, out of some of these uh, songs really quickly and into the jam section uh, in a way that, um, you know, I personally prefer. It's, it's fun to watch, to sort of hear them figure out where they're going over the course of a few minutes. But for me, there's nothing better than when, uh, you know, maybe it's Mike or Paige um, or, you know, Trey immediately starts playing a melody and the rest of them pick up on it. And I, I'm, I'm hearing a lot of that in both the type one and type two jams. So, I love that they're being assertive. Yeah. Arrows with intention. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's really well said. And it kind of goes with what I've been thinking about recently is that they are, you know, we know that Trey is crafting set lists, at least ideas of set lists. Uh, I don't, I, you know, I'm not sure he's taking a whole set list on stage. He's calling the songs though. And I think he has, 
there's intention in a lot of what comes out, you know, sometimes like say the Shafty at a halfway to the moon, sometimes I think everybody's surprised about where they land, but other times, you know, they say, well, we're going to do this and it's going to, we're going to take it out. And if it works, it works. And it's 18 minutes, 22 minutes, 30 minutes. If it doesn't, maybe it's only nine minutes and, you know, they drive into the next thing. They aren't wasting their time. They're not wasting our time. They're getting down to business. And uh, I think the sound uh, from the stage is, I think it's been refined a little bit. I'm hearing some things in the mix, like cut through the mix more than ever, Mike in particular, but also some of uh, Paige's, like his organ. Uh, you know, we first noticed it in person at Raleigh, but I went back and listened. I'm really hearing it a lot on a lot of the tapes. So I don't, I don't know if they've changed the way they mic'd it or they just, he's leading on the, leading on the fader to make us all hear it better. Um, but I, I, either way, I think it's shaping up to a, a good mix, which allows us to really hear the interplay and this very intentional mission that they seem to be on. It's pretty great. Was that, did I agree with that. On the stream here, the uh, sound dropout during Sense and Subtle Sounds, or was that only for us with the PA? Did that come through on the uh, on the uh, stream? On the Blossom show? Yeah. The sound did not drop out. What I did notice, and, and there's been a lot of chatter about this, it seemed as though, I mean, Trey seems to have been having some tech issues throughout the, yeah, his guitar was throughout the, the larger tour, and it seemed as though his high E string was a little bit out of tune during that <laughs> yeah, second set. Little... And those oh, yeah. two Rare things seem to problems. kind of, he was but... looking over to the left, the whole, I mean, he was, you know, the look he was giving yeah. Yeah. monitors. So there you, you'll see it when Trey and any of them are looking over to stage, right. Uh, audience left or whatever, they're looking at the monitor mixer and you'll see them do, you know, hand signals to get the drums up or, you know, you do this and whatever to get here more. And I've seen a lot more of that. Uh, from the stream. Um, I've not really heard it affect the playing too much. I think in Blossom, there was some points where it was like Trey seemed frustrated. But at the same time, I think that if he could hear himself better on Bloss at Blossom, he would have taken a moment to go and just fix that high E a lot right. sooner than he did. Um, because, you know, he rarely... Even though he keeps that tuner on his guitar yeah. now never, all the time, which is hilarious, yeah. he never. The languidocs are typic are known for not needing to be like they're known for holding Adjusted too their often, tuning. Yeah. Um, uh, I think the newer ones maybe less so uh, case, but it, really, you never see him do that. But he's really good at it when he does. He just like he he's got a good ear if he can hear himself. That second so set is really. Nice. It's really interesting to me. I want to bring in um, one more person here to this chatter as we're talking the Midwest show. Patrick, how are you doing, man? Are you able to hear us all right? I'm doing great, and I'm happy to be here. How are you guys doing? Doing well, hey, man. Welcome. Thank you so much for, for joining us. And I know um, you were at the Midwest shows as well. Um, I'm curious, like, for all three of you guys who are at these shows, um, you know, the, mid the Blossom show is really fascinating to me because there's – 
you have this fascinating conversation um, combination of a really, really strong set list with really cool song placements like 46 Days and You Enjoy Myself midway through set one, Reba towards the end of set one. Set two, there's almost no pauses. You could even argue like the, the ballad in quotes of Esther is a rarity, which is going to, you know, surprise people in the moment. Um, but there was also that second set, as we're talking about, had some issues with perhaps sound it goes out in the venue for for a short period in time um there was a moment where trey just turned it during esther and looked directly at mike as if to be like hey you know keep up with me this is where we're going in this song but at the same time it had just like incredible improvisation and it felt like a band that was fighting through some challenges that were out of their control and reaching some you know, musical highs that I think have defined the tour. Um, Patrick, kind of starting with you, just as you're joining the show, what, any thoughts that you had on, on, on the Blossom show in terms of what I just mentioned? Uh, I actually was at Pine Knob and not Blossom, so I'll let oh, okay. my friends discuss. Okay. So I'll talk to you in a minute. Ben, <laughs> Dave, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, it, Blossom was such a blast. I mean, at, just the show in general was just amazing um the fact that i got you know i i saw row j on my ticket but then row j ended up being the second row because they count the pit so mm. i was right up in there and it was just so awesome um you're definitely right what you're saying about you know the tray issue on for second set um it was wild and it was so weird being in the sound right there to have the whole right side of the pa drop out it almost like vibrates your head you know what i mean because it's like it's like you're in it so yeah. tight. It's like a really odd sensation. But, um, I mean, just song after song, that whole show was just like, I mean, it really, it blew me away. I mean, it was, you know, from the old school stuff, I mean, Ariba and you enjoy myself in the same set. Like, you just don't get that very often anymore. Um, I love the jamming that's going on at the end of you enjoy myself now, which isn't something that they had been doing in previous tours. Um, Shade gets me every time. I mean, it's just become my favorite slow song in a long time. And I'm a, I'm a sucker for the fish ballads. And that one I just wish was about four minutes longer. Mm. Uh, I, I would take a stretched out version of Shade. Yeah. Long uh, solo there before the last verse. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, the dance party during 2001, it just the place broke down. And that, that was just so fun. So much fun. And then the melt. And I mean, it just, or, I'm sorry. Um, wait, I was talking about, that's Pine Knob. Sorry. Um, uh, the melt was blossom. Oh right, 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 right. Sorry, I'm getting confused. Yeah, I mean it was just a, together. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, it was just it was a really really awesome show, and uh, I don't think that the sound problems and the tech issues that they were having really shined through to the point where it affected the playing or the vibe at all. I I'm really to think. Uh, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Brian. No, I really loved. Um, you know, something that I felt about the first three songs of Blossom was that they all sort of functioned as as openers. Um, I think a lot of times we think like, oh, what what works really really well in the two hole or in three hole. And f- for me, I, I, I turned to the person next to me. And I said, well, it's almost like we got three openers because they all kind of help build the energy one after the other. But they also, you know, anytime you get the acapella, it's you know, it's an opener, but it's not, you know, they haven't picked it's up their instruments yet. And so punch was just such a nice treat right after that. And uh, I thought it was yeah. pretty well played. You know, we're all always rooting for Trey there. 
Um, but it's also a great barometer of like, where is the crowd at right now? You know, is the crowd is the crowd ready to bring it from uh, the beginning, or you know, is the crowd going to ease into it? And the crowd was there, uh, just a hundred percent in. Um, and I, I really also loved, you know, the drop into Yem. That was one of those holy crap moments. You yeah. turn to the people around you and say, "Oh wow, Yem this early." And, and and I think people are picking up on the fact that Yem, you know, Brian, to a point you've made, uh, has sort of been reinvented uh, in in a certain way. Uh, you know, all this uh, uh, all these years later, um, so it's in the back of your mind. Okay. Are they going to jam it a little bit? Are they, go- are we going to get two Trey solos? Are we going, you know, what's going to happen after the vocal jam? Are they going to go straight out of the jam? What, what, you know, what, what can we expect? And so, um, yeah, it's just, you know, uh, it's always a treat, but it, I think it's a, you know, even more special treat now. Um, and you know, Reba, I go to every show hoping for a Reba. Um, it was my brother's first Reba. So he was very excited. Um, and I, I just thought that whole first set was crafted so well, um, especially with the set closing cavern. It was just, it really left the whole place buzzing going into uh, going into set break. It was a really, really good vibe. I'd like I to- tend to try to hide my phone as much as possible, <laughs> like during certain jams or like turn it over. Um, like when I'm at home watching it, like I treat it like playoff baseball where like, I don't want a notification of what happened before it happens on TV. And unfortunately I had my phone like right on my lap and it buzzed in the middle of that 46 days jam, which was like the buzz. I was like, damn it. They're, they're wrapping this up. But then I looked at my phone really quickly and it said, you enjoy myself. And I got that like five second gap of like knowing you enjoy myself is coming, but really enjoying the last little segment of the 46 days jam and the way Trey goes into it, the way the crowd reacts on the webcast. Like it's just this great moment of, okay, if you're going to cut a jam off, that's the song that you cut a jam off for. Cause we're going to get more. The jam led beautifully into it though they brought it down it really Trey did. had already dialed in exactly the right tone for you enjoy myself and was jamming with that tone in this very like pretty fashion and so it was really just like beat bing trey probably didn't even have to step on any pedals to make it make it happen on his end it was just yeah. there and and kind of to what ben was saying you enjoy myself has been kind of like a bookend for a while now it's like you, you put it up at the end of a set the beginning of a set if you put it in the middle of the set it's you know obviously like a monolith standing in the middle of the set but it it, it has stood alone for so long the fact that it now contains or leads to uh at times substantial improv or at least a little bit of improv on the tail uh is is really great and i know there's a comma on it at the end at uh, on fish.net but there was a jam before that comma so i'll I'll take it and and they just kept the energy going with a tube after that really good for i tuned in during punch in the eye and i honestly until after the set when i looked back at the set list i thought that was the opener the set ended i was like Mm. that was short and i was like oh i missed two songs (laughs) so also trey did almost wipe out on the uh trampoline I don't know if you guys saw Oh, did he? I didn't, I didn't catch that. Oh, my yeah, God. I was I'm working on a puzzle. Like, I didn't see that. Yeah. yeah it was <laughs> um, Scary. I want to talk quickly, and I want to bring Patrick into this in terms of the Pine Knob show. Um, we talked a bunch about this yesterday on the podcast, but, like, 
just in conjunction with the larger tour, obviously, whenever you have weather issues, you can think of like the summer 2013 tour where there was, uh, it felt like every single show, it was just like sopping wet. They had to move the Toronto show. So you had this weird, like five or six show or six day gap between the Saratoga run and, the um, PNC show that Chicago shows had a ton of issues as a result of it. So obviously there was a ton of stress regarding, you know, what's going to happen. They do the single show set very similar to Fenway from a couple of years ago, but this one felt more in line to me with like the larger themes of the tour, Patrick, you know, being at the pine knob show, what was your big takeaway from the show and how, how do you feel like it helps represent where the tour is at at this point in time? Uh, I thought it was a really great show. Uh, I was also at uh, Fenway 2019, so I kind of knew uh, that we would still get around a two and a half hour show and I wasn't so worried. Um, but I would say it was 100 bazillion times better than Fenway 2019. Um, just, like right off the bat, you know, they, they did I never needed you like this before. And it was almost like we needed them to go on stage. And then they did, you know, and then everything's right. Like <laughs> everything's fine now that we went on. And then it's like 18 minutes. Everything's right. And they just were listening to one another basically right off the bat. Um, and it's cool to hear that you were really close in Blossom because I was in like the fourth row in Pine Knob and I haven't been that close in a long time. Um, cool. And you can really just like look at their body language. And yes, Mike was having a hard time for a while, but he... He must like still be playing in his head when he's turning those knobs behind him because he doesn't miss a beat when he's having technical difficulties. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, they, they really rose to the occasion right away, stretched out a lot of songs. And yeah, as far as like the, the overall tour goes, I mean, I was at Bangor and that Down with Disease was all about Fishman like not letting it fizzle out. You know, there were like three mm -hmm. or four times when he just, and I was like screaming at the top of my lungs, you know, like, wow, he just kept driving and driving. And uh, I saw that a bunch of times in Pine Knob. There are a few times where like Trey would turn to him and you know, they're all like really patient and in their own world and listening and everything. But you could tell he's turning to him to like switch songs and he could not care less. <laughs> and he just like lets Fishman keep going for a few more bars. Um, I noticed a lot of like really nice, like subtle call and response where like Paige would do one thing with the piano and then Trey would mimic it. Even like at the end of Camel Walk, which that song is always awesome, but there's not a lot of I don't know, like listening. Mike did something, Trey mimicked it, and I actually saw Mike smile, which, you know, you don't see every day. Um, and so I think <laughs> whereas with Fenway 2019, there was like all this anxiety, like, are they really going to go on? Are they going to play less time? Whatever. I think I knew that they were, they've already been playing so well the last 12 shows or whatever that they would deliver, but I was even surprised how quickly they were able to do like 18-minute song, 15-minute song right away. So it was really great. Yeah. You bring up something that I think is really interesting and like by way of the experience of sitting close, like the, the last, one of the last shows I went to uh, was Chula Vista last fall and I had a chance to be right on the rail. It was the only time that's ever happened for me. And I felt the whole show like I was um, being able to watch a rehearsal uh, rather than a concert. Like there were, there were a few times where I turned around to see, oh my God, there's, 15,000 people behind me. But like for most of the show, I felt as though I was just like sitting in and hanging out with the band and like the, uh, the, the, the ability for the band to interact with each other. There was a moment, I think it was during the free at the Chula show where 
they were kind of figuring out, are we going to go back into free? Are we going to go to another song? And exactly what you're talking about, Patrick, where Mike plays a line, Trey mimics it, and it just like sets the band off. You could see that communication going back and forth. Um, I'm curious, uh, Ben and, and, and David, just as we're kind of going widescreen to the larger tour, do you think that like the relationship between Trey and Fishman, Trey and Mike, this like egging each other on, has that had a big impact for you guys in terms of how you've heard the tour evolve? Dave, starting with you. Yeah. I I mean, I think that the communication between all band members has been really incredible this tour. Um, Be it, you know, it with the way that they're transitioning from, you know, on the arrow songs, like they're legit. I mean, they're, really really strong transitions you know as if like they are reading each other's minds up there you know and it just seems like very much like as if they're spending time practicing in the afternoons like you know like like truly practicing not just like playing my soul 500 more times you know what i mean like you know why <laughs> my soul is the most soundtrack song ever is there did we talk about that sometime but anyway um unofficial but, officially unofficially most soundtrack song ever yeah. <laughs> um, but um yeah i mean they seem to just have incredible communication and i always like will call out fishman as like the champion of like just driving it and always having like something new something different something that he wants to sort of tinker on just to sort of like bring the song into a different sort of beat and progression that i think that particularly trey really loves because he's like a really rhythmic guitar player and um it's just, I mean, they're all just so on right now. And like you were saying about like being an extension of what we love so much about last year and the fact that they, you know, changed all the rules. And so there's no expectation that any song would open a set, close a set, come in or out of a song, be an encore. So to go to a fish show is like, like Christmas morning to a little kid that has no idea what his parents, you know, hooked up for him or whatever. You know what I mean? It's like, you really have yeah. no idea what you're you know, <laughs> expecting, but you know that these guys have put in a ton of work to give you something that you're going to love, you know, yeah. and the yeah. worst shows are better than the best, you know, saying. Yeah. And, and, you know, to that last point, I think our friends at uh, Wook Plus um, had this and I didn't fact check it. So hopefully they did. But um, I think, you know, they mentioned that we've had uh, a different opener for every show. Um, and sure. I, I oh, yeah. don't know how that compares to past tours, but it is fascinating to me. And um, I guess I'll just go back to, um, you know, to build on a point I made earlier about just a different style of jamming. I think about like the micro jams, um, which, um, you know, we sort of, we saw a year, a few years ago. I don't know if, it, um, Brian, you'll know what you I'm talking about for sure, but um, where micro jams were the thing. And I apologize for the barking dog. Uh, but now we're seeing they, they could do that um, with a song like Gumbo at the beginning of tour, ACDC Bag, a couple of the versions. Yep. Um, they've covered a lot of ground in a short amount of time. But then you have the Banger Disease. You have um, the Rise Come Together. Um, certainly my favorite, maybe my favorite jam of the tour, the Awesome Free. And then um, also uh, just some of, uh, I would say, the Wave of Hope and a song I heard the ocean sing where they really they really find these incredible themes and these melodies and they build on them and uh that to me is where the listening is so impressive um 
I'd be happy to build on that more, but we've got a barking chance. Uh, boy in the background. Uh, he's he's, uh, he's got his opinions about fish. He's yeah, hearing him talk, and he's, he's like, no, 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 no. Talking about it. widespread. Yeah, dog log, dog log. Yeah, he's more of a uh, he's he's more of a uh, uh, 1.0 dog. So, but, he's calling for harpua. Oh. Exactly. Well, now he's here. And Speaking he's, of, very he's light on No harpua, no sloth, no aculeus. Yeah. yeah. Well, now he's getting his uh, ears rubbed, so he's good. But I, so yeah, just to put a bow on that, I, I think that um, what, what's exciting is they are they are really all presenting different ideas. I'm hearing maybe a little bit more of that from Paige than I have in past tours. Um, and right away, um, you have Trey Fishman and Mike responding to that. So it's just super exciting to hear just how democratic this band is in terms of uh, how, how they're all adding to uh, the music. It's funny how you mentioned the stretching out of different songs, because I went to uh, Bethel night one with a buddy of mine who's, he's been to a lot of shows, but like not as many as me. And he doesn't keep track of it all in my mind the way we do and everything. And, so they open with Golgi, and he turns to me and goes, what goes through your mind when they open with this song? And I was like, uh, I don't know. They play it at my first show. I like to hear songs from my first show. Uh, I also know that it's not typically an opener, so maybe they'll stretch it out. And then sure enough, it's <laughs> incredible. And then they played Sample to Jar, and he's like, what goes through your mind with this one? I was like, well, you know, it was played as uh, like the only real jammed out version is the jam night one, so maybe they'll stretch this one out. And then they did, and it was the first two songs of the show and the you know two nights there and just they're just like so comfortable and uh i think also appreciative you know like last year like everyone else in the world they had like a forced break you know it wasn't like the hiatus where they wanted this time off and they wanted to do side projects or the breakup time it was like they they couldn't play with each other and they clearly enjoy playing with each other and so i think a lot of the summer while it was mind-blowing in its own way it was like working out kinks then it got better in the fall um, and then, and now this year, it's like, you know, they knew they were going to go on tour and they had time to practice together and, and it really shows. So it's been incredible. So, you guys are making some really great points. I want to dive into one thing. I just did this as you guys were talking because I wanted to fact check our good friends at Wook plus to make sure <laughs> that they were right. But I also wanted to see how far back this trend goes. Now I have not found how far back this trend goes, but I can confirm that if you count Mexico night one as the first show of 2022, which I think it would be the last show of 2021 was the rock Willits one. They have not played a repeat opener throughout Hmm. all of 2022. This is not just a summer tour. This is not just a spring tour. This is the entire year. This is insane. I, I didn't even consider this. This is like, I think to your point, Patrick, that you were just making, and Ben, you were talking about this as well. Like we've kind of all hovered around this. To me, I keep coming back to the idea of like, they're going to turn 40 years old next year. And I don't think they're super conscious of the idea of like, we got to throw a big 40 year anniversary bash. Like in their 30th anniversary, they celebrated it on new year's Eve with the cake. That was the piano that made it look like it was the telluride show it was a very special year there were some really special moments but it wasn't like throughout the whole year they were like come see the 30th anniversary of fish they didn't even really do that for their 20th and before that 
they got the date wrong of their 15th anniversary in 1998. And they say it on 1030 that this is our 15th anniversary show. Hey, at least um, they played Long Cool Woman that night. And they did that. That was very cool. That was very cool. <laughs> but like, I feel like this band is at least somewhat conscious that like they're about to enter a new period. And last year was such a breakthrough in so many ways, new songs, new jamming styles, stuff that I think I've talked about this with people on this show in the past. Like if there was a, if there was a 2020 year of fish, who knows what we get in 2021. Cause I don't think it would have been as like aggressive because of what had happened in the year before that. Um, but it seems like they're basically saying, we have all these songs, and this is just my take. We have all these songs. Can we just figure out a new way to play these songs, be it either where they're played in the show or how they're played? And that is freeing them up, no pun intended, to blossom. But that's freeing them up to just like explore and communicate in ways that like, you know, you shake things up again. And 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 suddenly you're in this space where as a band, you're exploring new ideas. Uh, from a songwriting standpoint, from a jamming standpoint, David, what are your thoughts on that? Are you, are you hearing that? Are you seeing that in terms of just how the band is playing? Absolutely. Um, you know, it, it, I think for, I mean, 40 years is, it speaks volumes to this band. You know what I mean? I mean, what band, I mean, I know we talk about it all the time that like there is no other band in their 40th year that's putting out new music that you care about, you know? Right. And not totally, but it's actually amazing. Like, and we like crave these songs that are sometimes six months, a year old, you know, brand new material. And they, you know, they work it into the set lists incredibly. And these songs fit seamlessly with songs that they wrote 40 years ago, you know, 35 years ago. And it doesn't sound awkward in a set. You know, look what, there's no other band in the world that can do this. And we, I don't think we really take it for granted because we appreciate it. And we are doing this right now, talking about it. Obviously we appreciate it, but I just think that, um, you know, we're just so lucky. And I think if they just keep doing this, like, like they could go as long as they have the physical capability to keep doing this. And, you know, if, you know, in 2031, they're playing acoustic, like I won't be mad, you know, like, <laughs> you know, if it's slows down a little bit, I mean, I'm at fish and some brushes in a, in a like, snare. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like if they played at the pace of a typical band and in their 40th year, it would still be bigger and better and faster and more than any other band in the world. You know, um, I am hearing a lot of twinkles about a festival next year. Anybody else hearing that? A little bit here and there. Yeah. Um, I know we're due. We're definitely, um, very much, due. We're definitely <laughs> and, due. And, and to that, I would, I would say, you know, I thought of this as Ben was saying, you know, or maybe it was you, Brian, you know, they're, they're coming up on their 40th year and, you know, I know they're not thinking about planning anything big, but actually if they're doing anything big, they are planning it. Let's recognize that if there's a festival next point, year there, it's in the works. There's no, totally. they're not sleeping on that yet. So that's stuff. Somebody is, needs to find Dickie Scotland and ask him what he's been preparing for. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> what he's got on his to-do list. Um, but you're right about all the songs that, Trey has, I think Trey for a while was definitely in the trap of this is an opener, this is a closer, blah, 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 blah. Right. There's always going to be some elements of that. But at the same time, you know, you're right. They can, he will pair anything with anything. So the curtain goes into Say It To Me Santos, you know, one of the oldest songs next to one of the newer songs, you know, not the newest maybe, but um, into Stealing Time. And, and it's great. 
right? And that's that's Santos and the number two slot, even though really, you know, I think we all recognize that that, is, that song is built like a closer, like a character mm-hmm. zero or whatever. It fits there beautifully, but it can come anywhere. And it's all about getting a flow to the energy. Um, and that's that's what really matters, like getting... getting- the energy bouncing around between the band with the interplay yeah. that we're all enjoying back and forth between the audience, which is the thing that we all live for and the reason we all go and just keeping it moving uh, through all of us all the time from the stage out to the audience, through the speakers, through the streams. And they're doing it so well, you would not know they'd been doing it this long um, or that they are the age that they are. Um, I feel Fishman like Trey is kind of absolutely on fire doing such an giving such an athletic performance for three hours every night. It's it's goddamn magic. Well, I think it's really interesting. It, it shows that to me, they're you know, they're just really focused on what they're creating in the present, both you know, with new songs they write and also performing those new songs and, and exploring them through improvisation. Um, you know, the fact that they're able to find new ground in a song like Free um, from Blossom is a great example. And so I, I also I think it's interesting to think about this 40th anniversary because I think we all want them to do something special. But at the same time, it's kind of I think it would be so on brand for them to not really, you know, acknowledge it, acknowledge it. Yeah. Doing so, what they're doing this summer, next summer. OK, cool. I'm happy. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, and I think it. I mean. You know, they've, you know, Trey, I think it's clear, has developed this relationship with just to throw like Vance Powell out there. He worked on several projects now. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not here to, you know, talk about the next Fish Studio album, but, um, you know, it's clear that they, that he's still creating, um, you know, Paige is still creating, Mike's still creating. They're all, you know, they're all looking forward in terms of this, you know, what this band is, is capable of. And, um, yeah, I mean, David, it sounds like you and I could talk all day about, you know, what this longevity means, um, because I, I say it all the time, there's zero other bands or artists that are doing what Fish does. Um, and it, it's just, it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. Totally. Well, and the interesting thing is when you think about this last big significant anniversary, when they crossed 30 years, at that point, they hadn't written a ton of new songs and presented them in the 3.0 era. They, they brought the Joy songs to the table in 2009, they brought a handful of songs in 2010, many of which never even made it out of 2010. They kind of just like burned that bridge. Uh, my problem right there. Songs that just like they emerged and then they they didn't for whatever reason fit in the, the yeah. overall rotation. I think Steam was the only debut in 2011. I don't think there were any debuts in 2012. They basically opened the entire song catalog and busted a ton of stuff out in, in 2012. So in 2013... If you remember that summer tour, it's an incredibly tight rotation. I, I don't think that they crossed 200 songs in that overall summer tour. It was most songs were on a three to four show rotation. You were getting disease pretty much every run, a tweezer every a couple second of set shows, yeah. second set openers, really as like a way to, to my interpretation of it. And, and the year ended with a cover free, um, MSG run, my interpretation of it was like, these are the songs that carried us for 30 years. These are the songs that are going to speak for us. But what happens in 2020 or 2013, 
they write the Wingsuit album. They debut that for Halloween rather than cover an album. And since Wingsuit, we've had like a hundred new songs enter the rotation. So like they're doing this fascinating thing where they're trying to introduce all these songs to their catalog still in 10 years, still since then, while writing new songs, while also figuring out like what Patrick said, Golgi opens a, so- a show. Well, it's not just going to open the show. It's what else can we find within Golgi? Free is going to open a second set. What else can we find within uh, Free at this point in time? And so I almost wonder if the lack of acknowledgement that could happen next year, aside from maybe a festival, maybe Halloween, who knows? Maybe they do all their big things throughout the entire year and that's the celebration. Maybe the acknowledgement is just we're continuing to create and we're continuing to evolve and we're continuing to test ourselves. For like that double album we've been waiting for with Game Henge on one side and all new stuff on the other side. <laughs> yeah, that would be nice. That'd be nice. Or at least, you know, I'm just another looking... like Game Henge set followed by a, a you know new material set would be totally. would be all right too. A little game the game oasis. Redux. Like what you were saying about um Wingsuit, um like Fuego, like I love the three W songs, like Wingsuit, Winter Queen, and Waiting All Night. Like those are my mm, yes. like I love those and you don't hear much of them anymore at all. No. You got that waiting yeah. all night from the forum, which is super fun last month or last fall. I love that. I want one of those at Dick's. Yeah. I want to say about free. What about Wombat? Quick. Yeah, Wombat. Wombat too. Yeah. Um, the quartet of W. Yeah. Um, I texted Brian about this free that, um, you know, ever I was at the Cap Center 95 one, and, and this is not me bragging. I'm just saying that ever since then, it's in my mind, it's been a jam vehicle. And I'm really glad that Fish has caught up with that that thinking because they have been <laughs> neglecting that song for so long, and uh, and this one was outstanding. Yeah, I like how uh, with Fish you. I actually the line to get into my was super long for obvious reasons, and I was talking to the people behind me, and they like had heard a few Fish songs and never been to a Fish show, and I was like, oh my. And they're like, how are we still minting new fans? At this I know point? they're so like, they're like, what's going to happen? And I was like, well, you can expect it. Uh, I would say they play for an hour and 20 minutes and take a break and then play for another hour and 20 minutes. But no, that's not going to happen tonight. I was like, do you know about their lighting director? And they're like, no. And I'm, Oh man, I'm not going to say anything. You're just going to have a really great time and expect the unexpected. Um, but like, so like, you know, as far as like, um, uh, like Trey, he seems to always know when you need a breather, right? And that down with disease in Bangor, they went right into what's the use. And I was mm. like, oh my God, this could be the only breather song they ever play again. This is the most beautiful breather. And then like two, a few nights later in Bethel, after that crazy Mr. Completely in Yem, they play Fuego. And it's like your breather is no breather. <laughs> and it's right, just right, right, like, right. they don't. There's a, there's a like, slow passage at the beginning of the song. Yeah. That's it. They don't really like um, keep us on our toes necessarily, but it is insane. Like how they don't show that they're getting older. And you know, Bethel, it's like seventy-five ish degrees at night, and then you go to Hartford, and it's ninety-eight degrees at showtime, and you know that they're older. And I, they just like the second set is like fifty-five minutes of jamming. I don't know how they keep doing it, and I'm really glad they keep doing it. We're lucky. Yeah, we're, I mean, Raleigh, the, the heat index was 107 when they hit the stage. Um, it was rough. Uh, but they they delivered an outstanding show without, I don't know, I don't know how they do it. Good hydration, I guess. 
<laughs> good hydration and and just like a dedication to creativity. I just I want to I, I confirmed this just now on Fish.net. The last time that there was a opener that happened that has happened this year was actually the New Year's Eve show where they opened with MoMA dance, which they wouldn't do again until Raleigh seven months later. Just incredible, incredible dedication to diversity and uh, just creativity. Um, I want to move into a segment where we talk about recommendations here, when we talk about kind of what our big uh, jam and show takeaways are this, this segment of the show, this is brought to us by our very, very good friends over at fans for racial equity. Um, this typically is the last in highlight of the show, but we're going to be talking about the last in highlight of the tour, if you will. Um, Fans for Racial Equity is uh, they're an organization that seeks to build an anti-racist live music scene and promote liberation through racial uh, equity in the world at large by activating the collective power of our community, by facilitating thoughtful engagement around race and its intersection with other issues, free empowers fans to challenge discrimination and systemic oppression wherever they see it. To get involved in free's education, outreach, and community partnership programs, sign up to volunteer at fansforracialequity.org. You can see that on the screen, fansforracialequity.org. Or you can share the groove with them at the free table during a show this summer. They are going to be at every venue for the remaining 11 shows of this tour. So Patrick, I want to start with you. I don't want to put you on the spot too much, but I'm going to put you on the spot too much. Pick one jam and one show that in five years we're going to be looking back and talking about for summer 2022. Wow. Um, <laughs> well, I'm not going to say Bangor disease because I said it so many times. Uh, so Bethel two cross-eyed and set your soul free. Some good stuff. Bethel two is a really, really special show. What, what is it about the set your soul free there that really draws you in? It was just like, I don't know. That song is so positive and like Trey sings it so soulfully and you can just tell that they are happy to keep grooving. And then they kind of like sing a little bit of cross-eyed in there and go a little bit into Prince Caspian. And it's just up-tempo, positive summertime rock and roll. It's a really, really good jam that comes off of it as well. Cause it kind of, it diverts from the theme of the song and it goes off into like the underworld and it becomes this like just demonic demented fish that i just i loved listening to um, and i will say as far as just aside from jams i saw so many twists in like the five shows i saw and every time i was happy to see it didn't care it was repeated it was like slightly different um and it's just crazy that they you can tell they're having so much fun and at the end of that set they're like okay twist will not be the closer you get a carini for your trouble hope you're still paying attention <laughs> <laughs> Ben, how about you? What is the, if we're five years from now, what is the jam that we're listening to and what is the show we're listening to from this tour? Yeah, uh, it's a great question. First, real, really quick, just want to thank you guys for plugging free uh, Fans for Racial Equity. I, I uh, helped out at the table at Pine Knob through the rain. Oh, nice. A uh, lot of good folks uh, stopped by. So just want to thank you for that. We'll be uh, at every show and also at Dick's. So, um, you know, hope to meet some more folks out there, but, um, yeah, I, I I really do think that for me, well, for me personally, and I think as people read up about the tour and revisit the tour, I think it's going to be a wave of hope into a song I heard the ocean sing. And I'm going to count that as one jam. 
Um, just because I, I think a lot of fans do tend to look um, at the set list and when they see the, the time marker, they're like, huh, what, wave of hope and sign I heard the ocean saying normally that might not cover, you know, what, 50 minutes or whatever, or 45 minutes, whatever it covered. But um, I think a lot of people will be curious about it. And I, I thought that that was just a great highlight that showed off, um, you know, a little bit of everything that they're doing well right now. So uh, covered the most ground, in my opinion. Um, well, uh, maybe the banger disease covered the most ground, but I, I think the the flow just seemed sort of uh, – it seemed really tight. and, and Totally. Um, show, uh, you know, in terms of what people are talking about, I think it's going to have to be Pine Knob. Um, and uh, it was a great, great show, great set, but it's it's one of those moments you, you look back and you wonder, um, gee, how was that? You know, what, what, what what's it like to – get a, a long rain delay in a show and only see a one set show. And, uh, but I also think that it had enough of, you know, those jams. I, I maybe it was, um, uh, I, I don't know who mentioned earlier, but um, the, everything's right. You know, three minutes in started to jam. And that was kind of a moment of real relief. Um, after four or five hours of tension on the lot, it was really nice to get that. But for me, it was almost uh, even more, uh, relaxing to get the the jam and kill devil falls because that's the moment where you realize oh okay this is going to be a little bit a little bit extra jamming tonight a little bit uh, a little bit you know of a special uh, prolonged set um, so I think that's pine knobs probably gonna be the show that people are talking about that's a good call that's a good call at this point Dave how about you what's your jam show I wonder if everybody called their friends to say hey you know they're not checking tickets come on in. You know, because like they, I don't know if you guys heard that, but they didn't check tickets at Pine Knob. It was like, circulated on Twitter at the time. If you're close, they're not checking. You know, yeah. so I assume come on the down. <laughs> cleared out more than usual. Right? Yeah, that's pretty wild. Um, so for me, um, and it, you know, partially because I was there, but it was also just so incredible that free from blossom. Um, mm. You know, and I was hoping none of you guys said that because I didn't want to have to you know, double up. Um, it was just awesome. <laughs> I mean, it was everything you want from a jam. It was really well orchestrated. It was really stretched out. It had blissful moments. It got dark and deep. It had synthy moments. It had rock and roll. It, I mean, it's just a, I've listened to it a couple of times since and it, it just, it rips. It really, really is awesome. And coming into the year after Mexico, I guess at the, um, the fake MSG or the fake new year shows, um, with the free experience, like free was a little bit of a theme kind of building up to summer. Um, so I just think that they took that song for the ride that it needed and uh, it really, really rocked. Um, and even like, you know, speaking to shows and again, I was there, so I'm partial, but the blossom show was just so awesome. I mean, it was just so awesome. Um, Such a good, like we needed a midweek heater. The yeah, way that, that show delivered in that manner, and, and it just was just—it was amazing. Yeah, I mean, of driving there, the, going into the park, and it's just so beautiful and so lush, and like it almost gets dark. There's so much woods coming through those little roads, and then it just pops out into the rolling hills, and you don't charge for parking. And the shakedown is like on this cool little road that just kind of weaves throughout the parking lot, and it's just you know very old school in that way. You know, no security, no cops. You know, anything goes. Super fun. Um, and even the lawn at, um, at Blossom, it's like, not like a typical lawn. It's just like, you know, it's this chilled out, like little rolling, sweeping 
almost like a park you could picnic in, you know, and um, it's just, it was just awesome. I loved it. But Walnut Creek was pretty great too. The the only time I've been to Blossom was the 2010 run and I saw Chicago the night before the Toyota park and Hershey park the next, the night after. And Toyota park was kind of like the prelude to seeing fish at Dick's. It was this big soccer stadium. Um, Hershey park is this kind of rundown old stadium that was like undersold and you, there was tons of room. And I just remember walking into Blossom and being like, this is way too nice for fish to play. It's just amazing. Like the lawn is beautiful. There's trees everywhere, but they don't seem to get in the way. The, the, the shed itself is this mid century, just like perfection. And I mean, I spent more time, I had great pavilion seats and I spent more time outside of the pavilion just right. looking at it than I did inside. Cause it was just, it was gorgeous. Yeah. I felt the same way. It was almost like my, when, when I first went to auditorium theater in uh, Chicago, mm. uh, I saw, I saw Bob Dylan and I saw my morning jacket for three nights. And I found myself looking at the columns and looking at the ceiling a lot, just cause it's a beautiful room. Right. A lot yeah. of theaters like that. And um, the shed is kind of like that at blossom, you know, you're looking around and um, the way I, th- I think it probably helps, you know, with, helps uh, make the lights even better. Um, uh, but it's it's just a really beautiful venue, and, and to yeah. uh, the point that was made, you know, you 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 enjoy the lot experience so much, and then you realize, okay, it's uh, 30, uh, 30 minutes till um, you know showtime or however long you're you're taking, you realize you've got to kind of hustle to get to that venue. So there's something about that where you have to sort of work to get in. It's a good walk if you if you've ever um, had to make it. Uh, so. Um, that said, it, it's really fun to make that walk because you're, you're doing it with a bunch of fans who are excited for the show. Um, so there's just something about that walk from the lot to the venue, to the, to the gates at Blossom, um, that I haven't gotten at other venues. Um, it just sort of helps build the energy and then it makes you feel like, okay, I'm here. I've accomplished something. I've worked for this. Let's go see fish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll say that's great. Jonathan, what about you? What is your jam? What is your show when you look back on this tour just at this point? Yeah, you know, I'm not a – I don't go back a lot when we're in the middle of a tour. I, who's got time for that? i got to listen to every single one of these shows <laughs> and sit down by 1 p.m. and talk about it, right? Um, and then they keep playing more shows. Uh, I have looked back a little bit. Uh, I think right now the the jam that I think is going to be – if I had to pick one – is going to be remembered in five years. I think it's going to be leaves. It's going to be one of those that, you know, mm. what's a interesting and unusual thing. It's going to be one of those. It's going to be the kind of thing that Brian Brinkman's going to bring up and everybody's going to go, Oh yeah, that was cool. Cause he's, it, it is, uh, it's a beautiful song, first of all, and a really unique and interesting jam and an interesting pick for a jam as a jam vehicle. Like totally. why are they even taking this song out? I mean, I'm not really asking that. I please take any song out. Um, <laughs> I love it. Um, and then, and I really don't have a good bet. I think all of y'all have picked excellent shows to remember in the future. I will go ahead and make a case for Raleigh because because somebody's got to. I think it's a, actually a remarkable show. Um, I, we were calling for. I was calling for something of a sleeper heater show. It was definitely hot. Um, 
it was definitely out of the way for a number of people, although we certainly passed a few like Astro vans with driven by dreadlocks down to the venue uh, on I-95. So some people were making the run and it was, it paid off. Weather was iffy, you know, between the heat and the the rain, but the band produced, um, I think one of the listeners in the chat, I think think it's pronounced impressive, I-M-P-R-S-V, made a note about how it seemed like the Rise Come Together jam was Trey racing against the show being called off for the lightning. I was thinking the same thing in the moment. The energy of that jam just keeps elevating and elevating, and it is an astounding little jam. And then the journey of the second set from Darkness into Light is beautiful, uh, capping with an outstanding Shine a Light closer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then big old encore, uh, what is that? One, two, four songs for the encore. Mm-hmm. Um, just to prove to me that there are reasons to play encores, or certainly there's <laughs> to do them and make them worthwhile. Um, I'll take it when they do it like that. Uh, actually, I, I would have been happy with just Strange Design and Walk Off because I was just feeling blessed to see that song. Great show. I think everybody should revisit it. And in five years, you should revisit it again and be like, yeah, that was good. That was a good show. I think um, I, I'm right there with you. I feel like the Raleigh show from an at-home experience was one of the most fun nights I've had on this overall tour. It was Friday night. We were on the back patio. Just listening through that show, there was a ton of surprises, especially that rise. Um, I think I go for my own answer here from a jam standpoint, I think it's been, I think Patrick said it, but I think the uh, set your soul free jam, that's what I've gone back to the most at this point in time. That to me is like the most fascinating fish exploration thus far on this tour. Although every answer that you guys have listed is right there with me in terms of uh, stuff I would go with the, the rise come together. I keep going back and listening to, but um, sticking with set your soul free and the Bethel night too. That's still my favorite show of the overall tour. That and blossom are my two favorite that have happened thus far. And Bethel night too, you've got this just strange mix of songs to lead the show off. You've got this undermine jam. You've got ghost to close out set one Set two, why are we opening with Prince Caspian? I don't care. It's going to go into a dark place, and then it's going to go into Crossside, and Crossside's going to go into a very unique jam space that feels nothing like a Crossside jam. And here we are in a breathing spot in Miss You, one of my favorite ballads. And then Set Your Soul Free. At this point in the show, what the heck is going on? Are we back in Crossside? Are we still in Set Your Soul Free? Let the debates ensue. We dive off into just like a dark pit of terrifying music, and I just want to spend a ton of time there. Somehow we end up back in Caspian, Twist, Carini. I mean, it's just, it's a wild show. And then that encore just ends it with a ton of humor and just great diversity in terms of music. So I think the point of all of this is that there's been a lot of lasting music that we'll be talking to in five, six years. Um, Before I let you all go, I have one rapid fire question for everyone. Okay. And I'm going to put everybody on the spot here, but, you know, come up with the best answer you can in the time that we have. We have had a lot of songs throughout this tour that have been jammed in a way that nobody would have predicted. So all you need to do as I go around in a circle, I'll go around in reverse order because I want to put Jonathan on the spot first. What non-jam vehicle do you want to hear fish jam in the 11 remaining shows of tour? I know my answer. So I can go first if everyone needs a second. You go. 
while I think bouncing around the room, thirty minutes. Wow, calling for that. That would be amazing. Um, yeah, I, I haven't given this uh, any thought because you didn't warn me, <laughs> you monster. Um, so scrambling I think, I think it needs now. to be kind of like that. I think it needs to be one that everybody is like. Uh, so heavy things is my answer. It's a good I, I one. To, I, I want one. people to be coming back from the bathroom going, what the fuck? <laughs> that's what I want. David, what do you got? Um, I would like it to be something off Castbot Vox. I'll go with Santos because we love Santos so much. But even like, even like um, Passing Through. I mean, I think Passing Through is such a cool song that doesn't get played too much. So be a cool jam space right there. Yeah. Mike's been pushing forward in jams a bunch. In every jam, he's like, come on, come on, come on. Ben, what do you got? Uh, Yeah, I'll go with, you know, I I like that call uh, because I I like uh, any attempt to get the new songs over with fans. So I'll go with Ghost of the Forest. Mm, That would be a really good one. Super eerie. Big time, great jam. Shout out here to friend of the pod, Maggie Rose. She has a great podcast on the, on Osiris Media. Salute the songbird. She said shade, which uh, I love that idea. Great call. That, yeah. They, they did something at the numbers show back on August or October 28th, uh, 2021, where they jam out two versions of me. And it just made me think, like, you got, and they did this with leaves as well. Jam out your ballots. Like you don't have to jam out just like hard rocking songs. Take a slow song and play it for 18, 19 minutes. And uh, we're in a good space here. Uh, we've got winter queen as a suggestion, which is a great, that would be a great jam vehicle. Brian and Robert, that is uh, a dream jam vehicle for me. You get into like Brian, Eno, Robert Fripp, ambient space. Come on. Yeah. can not ask for anything more. Patrick, what do you got? What is your uh, talk? Whoa! <laughs> Which I don't I mean, even know the last time they I'm, played it, but you know, it, it's trying to think outside the box here. It'd be a huge bust out. The last time they played it was the acoustic set at Festival Eight, yeah. so 2009. Okay. Uh, that would be a bust out in the jam. People okay. would lose their mind. I did want to let you know too because I heard this on another uh, podcast uh, with the bouncing around the room thing. It's not 30 minutes, and I can't think of the date. And I would look, but the service isn't great here. Um, but there is a uh, Europe, I want to say 96 uh, show where they take bouncing out there. You're right. And You're right. it might be opening for Santana. I'm really yep. I'm sorry I don't have the date. But if you listen to that, you'll be like, huh, they can take bouncing out there. You're totally right. I'm, I'm blanking on the date as well. But um, I, I, Rob Mitchum's essay series I was reading last year where he goes through every show on his 25th anniversary. He talks about a bouncing where it's like, this is what would happen if they pushed this song. Yeah, out there. I think it might go into simple or something. I don't know. Something like that. We'll talk about it the next time they play talk. Yes. Yes. Brian, Brian I, I thought of you when I was walking across the wooden uh, uh, uh the wooded area of Pine Knob because that's when they were playing uh, Bouncing. And mm. I swear they extended that, that outro just a little bit, but they didn't change it. They just played it maybe a little bit longer. I thought they're going to do it for Brian. They're going to do it for Brian. Just like I thought of you, Jonathan, during Bowie, there was this little like metal adjacent riff. <laughs> and yes. it was awesome. I, I well thought said. maybe metal this is the 20-minute uh, Bowie 
I'm not complaining because I still loved it, but I did think in that moment, okay, this is like this is a, this is the proper Bowie that Jonathan Hart always the, uh, the talks Bowie about. modulated and was really tight. And there is this part Trey does hit this one chord, but actually, in listening back, I was listening back to that today. Had time for that, of course. Um, <laughs> that Trey hits, and I think he was really just signaling, like, okay, it's time to go back. I really think he mm. was declaring his intention to rap the song. Um, I had to say the song because, no, I don't think he was going to rap. But I will tell everybody about Hampton 98. I was high on my page side, and my buddy Madi was right beside me when they're setting, when they're doing Hold Your Head Up, and they bring out the cards and lay them on the monitors and Fishman's coming to the front, and my friend Madi, for no good reason, hits me on the arm. He's like, he's going to rap. He's going to rap. <laughs> I got chicken with it. Like, how did he know? How did he know? It's a time and space, time and place. Um, is he psychic, this friend? What, is he that? what? A psych- I don't think he's psychic. Uh, uh, we'll check in. And we'll see if he All texts me in a minute and says, yes, I am. We'll know. For <laughs> we'll <know. laughs> every well, summer night, rhinoceros. Okay. Um, yeah, he picked them all. He picked them all. Patrick, Ben, David, thank you guys so much for joining us today to do kind of a, a, a macro recap of where we're at. We we are, I think, 15, 16 shows into the tour. We we have the final countdown tonight. Rumors started dropping yesterday of post-Turkey show Northeast runs. So maybe we have more shows in our future. Who knows how accurate those rumors are, but when they start to fall – there's a chance there's a chance but we know we've got 11 shows left until the end of tour here in uh labor day here in colorado thank you guys all for giving your thoughts on both the most recent run as well as the tour at large this was a ton of fun thank you guys so much see you at dicks thanks guys thank you guys we'll talk with you guys all soon all right later all right that was a fun, ton of fun. We should do the more of those. Those were great. Um, so we will be back, as we noted, uh, on Monday. We'll be doing our show on Monday. Just to give you guys who are hanging with us and who are listening who may have missed it the first time, uh, Osiris Media, Osiris Live, HF Pod Live are going to be live from the Anchor Rock Club on Saturday and Sunday. So there will be no recap here in this space. There will be live recaps that will be streaming across the WhatNot app. If you want to watch them, if you're not in Atlantic City, go to osirispod.com slash AC1 for Saturday's recap and osirispod.com slash AC2 for Sunday's recap. Um, We will, of course, be live at the Anchor Rock Club tomorrow, 2 to 4 p.m. with John Barber for a set of acoustic music from him, as well as a recap of the Friday night show from Atlantic City. And on Sunday, August 7th, for a recap of the Sunday night show, or excuse me, the Saturday night show from Atlantic City, as well as an awesome auction that you can participate in both near and far that will be benefiting the Waterwheel Foundation. And then we will be back on Monday, August 8th, to recap the final night of Fish's Atlantic City run with Brian Weinstein of the Attendance Bias podcast. Should be awesome. Cannot wait Should be for awesome. it. I think, I think Megan just texted us while we were doing this show that she ran into him at a rest area on the way to Atlantic City, just like a <laughs> tour, you know. That's amazing. Doesn't ha- That's doesn't amazing. happen the way that we used to. He's a good dude. He will be glowing after coming back from the beach. So um, really excited about this.
Thank you all for hanging with us. We'll talk with you guys here soon. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you'd cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effie Perspective don't have to wonder, because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. Oh.